The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. O oh God, I thank you that I have not that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Glad to be back. I was all away last weekend, as you as you were aware. I missed you guys. I missed you guys. I did. I really did. Hope you missed me. More or less. But uh, yeah, uh, as many of you know, I was, uh, I was backpacking in the woods of Arkansas with a group of, uh, of men, a group of dads. There's a group called the Troops of St. George, which is a Catholic version of the Boy Scouts. And so I took the dads, we all went out, and we backpacked 30 miles with 40-pound packs in about three and a half days. So if I look fit and strong, it's because I am. Huh? <laughs> Because it was hard, it was up and down those mountains. It was a glorious, glorious time, but I'm glad to be back. But just a brief announcement as we, uh, before we get into these amazing, amazing readings. I mean, what's Sunday when, they're, when they are not amazing? None, right? It's always amazing. But remember, uh, next Friday is a holy day of obligation. It is All Saints Day. I mean, that's, why, that's the real meaning of Halloween, though, by the way. It isn't candy, right? It isn't getting dressed up as superheroes. And that's all fun, but All Hallows Eve, that's where Halloween comes from. So it is the day before the Holy Day of Obligation. So All Saints Day is uh, Friday, this Friday, and there's the Holy Day. And so look at the schedule. I put up schedules outside of doors, but I added an early Mass, a 6.30 a.m. Mass in Portola. Because sometimes many I hear people, Father, we can't make it, I have to go to work. Well, all right, I'll get up early if you're going to be there. So if you want to go to early Mass, if you have to go to work, 6.30 a.m., I'll be in Portola. And then 8.30, of course, normal mass time. And then in the evening back here at 5.30. 
and Joyce Cameron because uh, she, she, she enjoyed that time so that way you can go to Mass and then there's a group that will move over to the hall to get ready for the harvest dinner as well. So, so it's ingenious. It's all strategy to get you in here. So no excuses. huh? No excuses. I'll be here. And so hope you can attend. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if you realize it, but we've got an amazing, amazing parish. As, as a minute, we announced a couple weeks ago, one of our parishioners, Emily Sheridan, was elected homecoming queen over in Portola, which is amazing, right? And then, also now, here in Loyalton, we are humbled with the presence, with Her Majesty, Junior Princess Mia in the back here. She was elected at Junior Princess, right? Praise the Lord, huh? So now you have to all... I told her to wear her crown. Where's your crown, by the way? You should have worn your crown. But Mia, congratulations. But don't let it get to your head. Don't let it get to your head. Why? Because, oh, how we hate the arrogant, don't we? Those who know that they're amazing, they walk around making sure that you know that they're amazing. Because as we all know... When we have a big head in anything, oh, we're just, we're just horrible people. Because if I were to ask you, if you want to be a, especially you men in here, do you want to be an amazing husband? Right? Raise your hand if you want to be an amazing husband. You're like, absolutely. And your wives, if you didn't raise your hand, your wives are next to your front. Like, hey, you want to be an amazing husband, don't you? Or if you want to be an amazing wife, all the women in here, absolutely. Raise your hand. I want to be an amazing wife. If you want to be an amazing father, we all raise our hand, all the men in here, all the fathers. Absolutely, I want to be the best father I can be. Same thing, mothers, sons, daughters. If you wanted to be, if you want to have an amazing parish, raise your hand. Well, absolutely, all raise your hand, right? Or if you're in your own jobs, you want to be an amazing teacher, raise your hand. Oh, the teacher, raise your hand, absolutely. You want to be an amazing, you fill in the blank. You want, if you want to be an amazing Catholic priest, raise your hand. I raise my hand, right? I want to be, I want to be an amazing Catholic priest. But to achieve that goal of being the best we can be, there's one thing we can immediately do now make all the difference in the world. We have to kill our pride. Kill it, strangle it, squash it, stomp on it. My friends, pride is the killer. Of relationship. It is the killer. It gets in the way of everything. What? What is pride essentially? Pride is this disordered preoccupation with self love. It is the elevation of one's own will as magnificent, as the only thing that, that, is, that, that really matters, that comes first. It is my will above yours, above anybody else's, even above God's. That is, that is pride. It is arrogant. It is when we place ourselves at the center of the universe. Because imagine now, imagine if we have that attitude in our relationships as husbands and wives. If we approach our spouses with pride. Is that an amazing relationship? No. Tender, isn't it? Or as mothers and fathers, if we place our own will even above our own children. Are you a good parent at that point? No. As a teacher, many of us are teachers here in our parishes. Praise God. If your pride was preeminent, you a good teacher? No. 
See, pride elevates itself, marvels at itself. It's preoccupied with itself. And the Lord addresses that so utterly clearly today in the gospel. He begins, our Lord. He lays out a parable and he says, he lays out this parable for those who were convinced of their own righteousness, who despised everyone else. So our Lord lays out two characters in this parable. The Pharisee. Now, when you hear the word Pharisee, What's the first thought that comes to mind? Is it negative or positive? Negative, isn't it? It's almost a pejorative now. We hear the word Pharisee. Oh, you're a Pharisee. It is somebody who is bad, a bad guy. But no, when you look at it in the first century now, because our Lord, remember, he's speaking to a first century audience. When the, when the people heard this parable and our Lord said there was a Pharisee, immediately everybody would have said, oh, he's a good guy in this story. Because of all the different groups in first century Judaism, there's the Pharisees, there's the Sadducees, you had the Essenes, you had the Zealots. So you had all these different groups of first century Jew, Jewish life. And the Pharisees were seen as the holiest of all the different groups. They were seen as the most fervent, the most devout. They were the best. Because for every Jew to be a good, pious Jew, you had to follow Without fail, 613 laws. 613. Even to this very day, the Jews who are practicing Orthodox Jews follow all 613. The Pharisees were amazing at that. And they were known and they had the most influence at that time period. And then you had the bad guy, the tax collector. Tax collectors were notorious for being utterly greedy, for taking more than what was required. The tax collector of the first century Jew is equivalent to the Californian politician of today, right? <laughs> Who love taxing us without fail, huh? You know those politicians in Sacramento, oh, they love their taxes, don't we, here in California? So think of the tax collector as a politician <laughs> who loved their taxes. A $4 gasoline. By the way, in Texas, $2. Isn't that nuts? I was like, wow, can I bring some gas back in Texas? <laughs> Task collectors were utterly hated. They were seen not only as greedy, but also as traitors. They were seen as working with their nemesis, the Roman Empire. Why are you in cahoots with the Roman Empire? Working with them. We're supposed to be fighting against them. And the task collectors betrayed their own people. So our Lord lays out these two characters. And he begins with the Pharisee. Notice the prayer now. Two people went up to pray in the temple area. And it said that the Pharisee took up his position. You see, in the Jewish temple, it was laid out in different sections. You have the Holy of Holies, which even to this very day, is the most sacred spot on earth for any Jew. It has since been destroyed, but we still remember, we know where it would have been built. So every Jew honors that sacred place, the Holy of Holies. And there was different sections as you approach the Holy of Holies. Where do you think this Pharisee was, by the way, when he says he took up his position? He's right up close, isn't he? 
And it says he's right up close, taking his position. And notice the quality of his prayer. He is absolutely infatuated with himself. He says, oh God, I thank you. I'm not like the rest of humanity, like you little guys. (laughs) Greedy, dishonest, adulterous. Look at me, I fast twice a week. I'm beautiful. Look at my job title. I'm amazing. Look at my muscles. Look how beautiful I am. You fill, fill that in. Fill that in. You see, the prideful are always looking at themselves. The qualities, the amazing talent. So preoccupied with themselves that they look down on everybody else. See, that's, that's, that's what pride does. It looks down on, on, on us. And I love the line that our Lord says when he describes this Pharisee. He said he spoke this prayer to himself. Let's not define our prideful attitude. He's not even talking to God. He's talking to him. If he's talking to himself, then let me ask, who do you think his God is? Himself. Himself. Then immediately the Lord throws in, brings in the tax collector. Tax collector, it says, stood off at a distance. He's in the farthest section of the temple. He couldn't even feel worthy enough to even approach God. So he physically was far back. And he says that he wouldn't even raise his eyes into heaven. He's looking down. And he begins to beat his breast. Which, by the way, if you notice why we do that beginning of Mass, you know when we said, I confess to Almighty God, and we said in that beautiful part where it says we're supposed to do, bow down through my faults, through my faults, through my most grievous faults. This is where we get it from, by the way. So that custom of beating our breast, ancient, ancient custom beating his breast, and he says to him, to God, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Whose prayer did God hear? The tax collector. You know, one, why I love utterly being Catholic, because built within our prayer life are precisely the antidote to pride. If you live your Catholic faith well, built into it without even thinking, will kill this pride which we all have. One of, one of the most beautiful things we get to do as Catholics is to go to confession. Look now of the psychology of someone who goes to confession, by the way. Notice and analyze, let's analyze, let's break down the psychology of somebody who approaches that miracle room back there. They must first say to themselves, I have done something bad. I recognize that what I've done is horrible. And that I need now to be forgiven. Do you see the need now of the penitent? They say, I need God now. And then now I must make the effort, get up, and I must physically go in front of a priest, another human being, with all my all my embarrassment, all that anxiety, all of that awkwardness. Who in that room, by the way, speak it to another fellow sinner? Me. 
In that room, there's nothing but sinners. In that room, by the way. Both sides of the wall. And you must out loud repeat your sins. Oh, how marvelously that, that, that sacrament is. Because it requires us to die. Kills the pride. And then also now built into our life as Catholics is our obligation to go to Mass. Why? Notice now, when you get up in the, in the Sunday morning, you have a choice to make. Every, every, every Christian throughout the world has a choice to make every Sunday morning. I can lie here in bed in my pajamas, comfortable and warm, especially on this cold morning. And I can sit here all day long. And I can roll out of bed when I feel like it. And I can watch NFL games all day long if I wanted to. Or I have to take a shower, get ready, and drive all the way to church. Do you see now built into that decision is our ability now to humble our pride. Because we have tons of excuses and good reasons not to go to church. I can even go to work. I can make more money, right? Or I can just lie in bed, relax. I've had a hard week. But no, every Christian who is at Mass this Sunday has made a decision. They say, even though it's easier to stay home, I will follow God's commandment instead of my own will and honor and keep the Sabbath holy. Do you see now that the antidote to pride and how it kills that attitude to say, no, I want to do my own thing. And even more so on a holy day of obligation. Why? Because now it's outside of our normal routine on a weekday where many of you work or you have other obligations. You have to say to yourself, I will honor God now and go to Mass in all the inconvenience. Do you see now the pride being strangled there? Dying slowly, painful death. Oh, that's why I love confession and mass. Because again, at every single mass, the Lord even models it, who humbles himself to become bread. In our second reading today, let me ask you something. Who does Paul sound like you see this letter to Timothy the second letter that we have today this is the last letter that Paul wrote this is the last one the Paul that we hear the words that you hear this is old man Paul by the way this was written around the year 60 at this point Paul would have been Christian for about 30 years Paul now who three times journeyed all throughout the ancient world, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Paul that we have here is the Paul whose bones are weary. Paul whose body is riddled with scars for being beaten, shipwrecked, tortured, imprisoned. In fact, Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's under guard by the Roman Empire. Paul, who after writing these words, would be beheaded by order of the emperor. So this is the old man Paul after, after decades and decades of preaching the gospel. So now again, before I read you and I re-quote him, who does Paul sound like? Who does he sound like? So now with all that in the background, now listen. 
Listen to old, weary, tired Paul. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Everyone has deserted me. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. I am rescued from the lion's mouth. Oh, when I hear those words, my heart burns. Doesn't it burn in you? Listen now to Paul, 30 years of proclaiming the gospel. Paul, who like us probably felt, Lord, I just want to give up. I'm tired of living the faith. I'm tired of being beaten. I just want to live like everybody else. Oh, my friends, it is a lot easier not being Christian. And I could be like everybody else lying in bed right now. Doing whatever the heck I want with my life. Sitting here, sitting there. I could do whatever the heck I want, making tons of money. This whole celibacy thing, being tired. Oh, tired of being celibate or whatever. But oh, I love the words of Paul. Why? Because it is a man who has been tempted, but a man who has not given up. Listen now. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought for Jesus Christ. Who does he sound like? Not the Pharisee. You see, my friends, when we say to ourselves, oh, I don't need to go to church, oh, I don't need to go to confession, let me ask you, whose voice is that? Whose voice does that sound like? Tax collector or Pharisee? But it's when we kill our pride, we put Jesus Christ first, Then, my friends, we will truly be magnificent. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.